welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Happy Wednesday. How are you doing, Samantha? Just dandy. Just Better really... now that I just sang to you. Oh, my God. It, you know, like how on American Idol back in the day, because I still can't believe that show still exists, there would be a moment where someone would sing to the judges and they were just flabbergasted. They were taken with the wind of someone's ability to just sing those notes that's how I feel like I feel like yeah. as if like I'm Simon and I was just blown away and like I, yeah. I'm speechless I'm speechless it really I get that maybe a lot, this is so. a a career change for you mm-hmm. like just remember the little people you know what I mean like yeah well I feel like I have to bring up how last week Joe Biden was quite literally circling my apartment and I had like no idea <laughs> No, nothing has further cemented the fact that Maddie lives under a rock <laughs> than this. Literally texting is like, so yeah, like Joe Biden was like around the corner. Like, are you kidding Literally. me? Literally. You missed this. And if you guys remember from forever ago, and I don't know, this might just be like something that's ingrained in our brains because it was just so funny at the time. But at one of Maddie's old apartments, there was this moment where there was this old dude outside of her apartment that just looked like spitting image of Biden. And you're like, oh my God, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Like Biden's coming to visit, knock, knock. And now he That's literally, the real deal. yeah, literally in spitting distance. And Maddie yeah. misses it by a mile. And by a, by mile, a mile, I mean, not even, Hours. like literally just like what A full day doing? passed and I go, wait, when did this happen? That's literally my apartment building. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he was in SF last week. For a fundraiser, but he had like all of the big POTUS helicopters like circling like my neighborhood and landed on like the little park right by my by my apartment, like on the water. And just everyone I knew was posting videos. And then I saw the news do all of I'm like, when did this happen? Like I must have just been so locked into my computer. I was at that park that morning and I'm like just probably two hours later. You know what? I think Joey B stopped by. This send this to your boss for a raise. She was so focused on her work, so dedicated, so zoned in, eyes on the computer screen, typey, 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 speaky, speaky, speaky. And not even Joey Boy himself could distract her from the important work. Yeah, no way. So that's my send that note to HR because Mm -hmm. sign of approval. There you go. Yep. I feel like there was something else that we talked about wanting to talk about. Oh, I do remember. Thank you for bringing this up. Maybe segue. Oh, segue. Oh, oh, okay. I thought that, I don't know. I kind of thought that was like a good segue of the non-segue segue. segue. Sure. Okay. That's fine. Keep this, keep this in here. I mean, the segue (laughs) (laughs) Michigan. What the people to live for. Okay. How the sausage is made. (laughs) Here you go, folks. There it is. This is Welcome to Girl on the Gov. Welcome to the Gov Club. Also, we have some new stickers. We're going to send them out to our Gov Clubbers very soon. Bad timing with my wrist losing its shit, my knee losing its shit, and my ankle and my Achilles heel. So I'm just not 
doing well. It's fine. She's a, I would like to blame the Samantha sneakers. Samantha is a closeted Olympic athlete and she's just been training <laughs> nonstop and everything hurts. Everything is... It's so bad. Yeah. My random thing that I was going to bring up was that somebody out there signed me up for an email listserv in the democratic sphere, like the democratic side of things, as Olivia. I don't know who did it. I don't, I mean, it's hilarious. I honestly would probably be funnier if someone had sent me like signed up for like Fox News or some shit, which makes it even stranger. I get so many emails per day and they're all, they're, they are marketing emails. It's probably not somebody who did that. It's like a voter file that got mixed up with your old address or like something data wise that got messed up. Like, cause I, I get some of those too, like with random names, like it's just sometimes the, I think the voter file gets fucked up. That makes a lot more sense. Cause I'm like, I mean, you guys are putting <laughs> more things on my radar. Email. Plugging in like your contact info, making up pseudonyms for you. They're just trying to gaslight me into thinking my name is Olivia. Can you imagine? I could not be an Olivia. And this is no shade to Olivia's. I just could, like, I don't think there's a name. I don't see it. Besides, like, Gertrude that, like, applies less to me. Not sorry. (laughs) Gertrude makes me seem like I'm insulting Olivia's. I love all the Olivia's I've ever met, so no shade. But just, like. Are you insulting Gertrude's now? Because (laughs) you're really, you're digging yourself all here. That is Justice my best for skill. If you're like a modern day Gertrude, do you go by Gertie? Probably, right? Gertie Turdy. Well, actually, speaking of like olden times, AK Gertrude's, like the era of like when Gertrude was like a really popular name, okay? <laughs> Obviously, okay. we were having this like circle back to, you know, putting, you know, women in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant and hopefully not dying of their pregnancies. And it's obviously brought to the forefront some eyes on some more interesting laws in the sort of suite of that. And in that suite, this was popping in my friend group chat today, is the fact that in Missouri, if you are pregnant, you can't finalize your divorce and there's no exceptions for domestic violence. Mm. So like if you have an abusive husband and you're pregnant, you're trying to like say, see you later, never like goodbye, you literally cannot legally get divorced by them or from them. And apparently there's similar laws in Texas, classic, Arkansas, classic, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. I know the Missouri one was put into place in 1973. That makes me think of the clip I saw of Biden last night with the actual, like, one of the better age clapbacks, for lack of a better term, around his age, like, on Seth Meyers. You know, he did that interview. Oh, um, yeah. I didn't watch it yet. And I, I, yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just have seen a couple of clips. And he basically, like, the argument was first of all, he was like, well, the other guy I'm running against is basically just as old as me. So there's that. But it's also about how old are your ideas? Like, he's trying to bring us back 50, 60 years. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm thinking about the future and about progressing. And it was the first real age message frame that like actually clicked for me and I think could be could be a winner. You are not wrong, but I could only concentrate during that moment of seeing myself in this very big green sweatshirt and my head looking really small and thinking I looking like look like a turtle. And 
was just all I was paying attention to. So, so sorry. (laughs) I'm glad that I have, you know, a co-host here that really values my commentary and what I have to say. It's fine. However, definitely head to our YouTube and check out me looking like a turtle. Sure, sure. And look at me looking very blue. I'm in this room (laughs) with this blue lighting on my pale skin. And it's just, it's not. It's not hitting for me personally. There was this video. It's I don't even remember what episode this was for us. And I remember when I had that weird red phase where for some reason I just like looked really red. And then with av- whatever was happening there, like you were in a very like pale phase. And the color, like you only have some distance between just seeing things. I look like straight lobster and like you like look like Alfredo sauce. Like he was <laughs> <laughs> He just like, looked at it and oh was God. like, oh, that's all we're a and marinara. We're looking great. We're just given a whole Italian meal. It's fine. Um, well, thank you for saying that about me. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm really feeling the love from Sam today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Before we get into this episode, hmm. there is something I feel like we should just tease mm-hmm. and I'm not going to give too much away, but there is something new on the horizon for this podcast, for this brand. And we did some real soul searching last week, looking at this election year, feeling how we're feeling, seeing how others are feeling. And there's a change coming with our content. And I feel like a good little... I don't know, like hint or teaser or Mm -hmm. theme to not give away too much, but they're just like, we're always making politics fun, but we're about to make politics funner. So much more fun. Make, make, wait, wait, funner. Wait, what was, what's the line that Kyle says to Amanda in Summer House? Summer, politics should be fun. Oh, Politics. Well, I don't know if that's technically true, but actually, it's probably it can be. It can be fun, and that's what this whole whole new era is going to. I'm so excited and emphasize and show you guys. So, just just putting that out there. Within the next few weeks, Mm. you will know what we're talking about. True. Okay, we'll stop. Well, let's get into this episode because we have a good one. Yes. On today's episode, we interview Amanda Littman. She's the founder of Run for Something, and they focus on literally training and recruiting candidates up and down the ballot, especially young candidates, candidates of color. And what we speak about very specifically are, drumroll please, school boards and school board races 2024. And really what's been going on there? The Moms of Liberty, Moms of Liberty, Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty. Regardless, without further ado, here is Amanda. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. 
We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Amanda, it is so great to have you on Girl No Govs a podcast. My goodness, we have so much to talk about, so many synergies, just like so many deep dives. I just know we're going to be rabbit holing all over the place, which is what we love to do here. And to start things off for people that might not be familiar with your work and what you do, you are the founder of an organization called Run for Something. Can you give us the lay of the land, the top level details, you know, that elevator pitch, if you will, on what Run for Something does? And of course, like, how did you start this awesome thing? 
I am so thrilled to be here. So Run for Something was born of the ashes of the 2016 election. Before that, I had worked on a bunch of different campaigns, Obama's re-elect, the Charlie Christopher governor campaign in 2014. And then I worked for Hillary's presidential campaign for two years in 2016, running online fundraising and her broader email program. About a week after Election Day that November, I started hearing from friends from high school and college who reached out to me to be like, hey, Amanda, you've worked in politics for a while. If Trump can be president, it seems like anybody can do this. What do I do if I want to run for office? (laughs) And I didn't have an answer for them because at the time, if you were young, I was 25, 26 at the time. If you were newly excited about politics, you wanted to do more than vote and more than volunteer, there was nowhere you could go that would be guaranteed to answer your call. And that, to me, felt like a symptom of some really big problems, both in our party and in our democracy. So I reached out to a whole bunch of folks, one of whom became my co-founder, Ross Morales Riquetto. We wrote a plan, and we built a website, and then we launched Run for Something on Trump's inauguration day in 2017, with the goal of recruiting and supporting young, diverse progressives running for local office all across the country. We thought this would be small. This was going to be our side hustle. Mm-hmm. I had to get a real job. He was managing a congressional campaign. Uh, we had a thousand people sign up in the first week. As of today, we're up to nearly 150,000 young people all across the country who've raised their hands to say they want to run. We've helped elect more than 1,000 of them across nearly every state, all folks 40 and under, mostly women, mostly people of color, and about a quarter of LGBTQ plus to positions like school board and city council and state legislature. And they're amazing. So that's what One for Something does. It's incredible. I think we've both been fans of your guys' work for a long time. So again, this episode just feels like a long time coming, but we also want to chat with you today all about school boards Mm -hmm. and pivot away from some of the just up and down the ballot conversations and kind of hone in on this one. And just in a weird time with like book bans and all of that. So have a question around just really what's been happening at the school board level and like why people should kind of have their attention on it because it's kind of been politicized as crazy as it sounds. But just if you can give us a a snapshot of what's going on. Well, I think it's worth taking a step back for a minute, understanding sort of the scope of the number of school boards in the country to begin with. Now, there are more than half a million elected offices in the United States. More than 80,000 of them are school boards. So in any given year, there are between like 20 and 24,000 school board races happening. About half of them happen in November. The other half happen in any other point in the calendar year. There's like always a school board election going on somewhere across the country, which gives you a sense of how many different places and races there are for bad actors to get engaged. Like there's just a lot of opportunity. The Republican Party has been working on these races for a really long time. One of the ways we know this is Ralph Reed, who was the leader of the far-right Christian majority organizations back in the 90s, explicitly said he would rather have a thousand school board members than one president. Because they understand when you have the power to determine what kids are learning, you can help shape the kind of citizens and voters they grow up to be. And it's a really powerful activation and training ground for activists, for voters, for potential candidates. It's so personal for folks. So that being said, the Republican Party has been working on school board races for a long time. In the last couple of years, they've even more deeply engaged here. And then we started to see this during COVID when parents really had exposure to what their kids were learning via like Zoom elementary school, for better or for worse. And some parents got really, really mad. And I think it was a little bit about school opening and closing. It was a little bit about curriculums. Mm-hmm. But Republicans, especially in Virginia in that 2021 gubernatorial election, really glommed onto this as an opportunity to engage people around an issue deeply personal and close to home. And they've been doing this work for the last couple of years. 
in a really targeted way, ultimately part of their long-term plan to destroy public education. Wild on so many levels. I mean, I feel like the interesting thing we always talk about with Republicans is they usually tell you what your, what their plan is. And then everyone sort of goes, ah, no way. That's so Mm -hmm. crazy. But like, they're literally telling you. And that admission. No, like they are the worst secret keepers of all time. Mm -hmm. They are like, let me tell you this evil plan. Like I'm clearly the middle over here. Yeah. 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 And I feel like Dems as a whole, like across every like branch of government really fail to understand that or like take advantage of that and be like, hey, like, oh my God, they, they literally handed me the playbook. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see also in the post COVID era, post COVID, like what people are doing in terms of fighting back or also just being activated around school boards in general. And I think to to get to a question here, you know, what have the Republicans been doing at the school board level in terms of policy, in terms of electing, you know, school board members? Like, what has that looked like for someone that's just sort of, you know, hearing about this now? Well, one of the biggest things we're seeing is book bans. There have been a record number of book bans year over year for the past couple of years, upwards of thousands of them. And I think it's worth naming, book bans are not popular <laughs> and they're not coming from a majority of people. In fact, a study mm-hmm. I think last year indicated that 60% of book bans against LGBTQ plus books were coming from just 11 people. That's nothing. There's no one. That's 11 crazy people who are dedicated to filling out yeah. a lot of paperwork. Book bans are not popular, but it's telling who they are targeting. They're targeting books by and about and for people of color, LGBTQ plus folks, and books that really expose the full depth of humanity. And sometimes it like, maybe it makes sense. Like maybe the parent should be deciding if that, that book is available to a six-year-old versus a 15-year-old. But most of the time, it's insane. And a lot of the time, it's like, I will never forget Kitty Unicorn. There's like a Kitty Unicorn book that they didn't like because the unicorn had an unidentified gender, I believe. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. What are we talking about here? So right. like, they are like really trying to undermine the trust that people have in teachers and in librarians in particular. Yeah, that's totally. definitely a theme. I feel like that is yeah. felt. I I mean, the 11 people too, that is just like a crazy yeah. snapshot of like, yeah, like I, I say this all the time. I mean, Sam talked about like the crazy people are the loudest and mm-hmm. it makes you think that like these are legitimate movements, but I also just want to like run it back and kind of, we've talked about school boards before on this show to kind of like deep dive into everything that they do, but do you mind just kind of going over like the power of the school board and like, what is their role? Especially because I thought what you said about them building kind of the next generation of voters and stuff is interesting. So I'm just kind of curious about more. Yes. So theoretically what school boards should be focusing on, and a lot of this varies from place to place and Um, Some places will divide school districts by like elementary, middle school, high school. Some places it's by geography. But generally speaking, school boards are responsible for things like hiring and firing principals or superintendents. They're responsible for setting teacher pay if if the state doesn't already do it. They're responsible for facilities funding. They're responsible for approving budgets for the school district. Some places they're responsible for curriculum. In some places they're responsible for Things like whether or not they should place all the pump plumbing in a school building. What kind of, how much funding should the arts program get? Like school boards should be really, really boring because the work of running a school system is like not sexy or glamorous. It's the boring mechanics of making sure kids are educated. But mm-hmm. even if you don't have a kid in the school system, 
when you think about like what is used to describe a place that is good or bad to live, it is often whether or not the schools are good. Like it's kind of a mm-hmm. shortcut to understand if a place is like family friendly, community. Totally. Like, you know, you think about it and it makes sense in part because, you know, property taxes are often tied to how schools are funded, which is its own like racist, classist, problematic way of understanding whether or not a place is good. But you should care what's going on with your school board, even if you don't have a kid in public schools, because the way that they are shaping what is possible will shape the kind of people who choose to move there or not and the kind of people who are able to stay. Mm-hmm. Totally. I always think about that when I look up on like a little Zillow listing yeah. and it's like, okay, this, this school district. And then I think about like, okay, what would the walkthrough be like? And then being like, oh, it's in a good school district. Cause you know, there's pending what state you're in, they can say certain things and also can't say other things. Mm-hmm. And so obviously everyone's speaking in code and that yes. is totally one of those things that is like a coded phrase or concept and school board is, you know, sort of where I guess it originates. But yeah, I think maybe the phrase for this year should be like make school boards boring again. I yeah. you know, yeah, I actually be, have a question a about that too, like especially in election year. And especially if there's not, I guess, people coming for your school board with like the book bans and all the kind of more extreme things, like how do you how would you guide like a voter to really like look at school board and like prioritize issues? Because again, it can a lot of times it is just kind of like bare bones, like educational things that especially if you don't have a kid, like you don't fully know. So I'm just curious if you have any like guidance for voters this year who are looking to participate in the school board election. Well, for starters, I wouldn't assume that they're not trying to ban books or, you know, fire teachers, keep DEI curriculums out of schools. Even if you live in a in a deeply blue place or in a deeply red one, there, <laughs> there has been efforts to take over these school boards um, in nearly every state, in every kind of community you can imagine. Like, the far right has tried to win school board seats in Miami. They have tried to come after school board members in Miami. They've also tried to win education-related positions in New York, where I live, including in places like Manhattan, which is you know pretty understood to be a democratic community. They've tried in Connecticut, Illinois, California, as well as obviously there's incredibly dangerous stuff happening in Texas and Iowa and Missouri. They are everywhere. So if you are looking at your ballot and looking at the school board candidates on there, like see what they're saying on social media. You know, to our point earlier, they tend not to be super secret about their crazy ideas. You can get a sense of the kind of things they're posting. Are they talking about books? Are they talking about teachers? They're talking about like the woke public school system. That's usually coded language Mm -hmm. to give you a sense of what they care about. And one of the things that Run for Something really thinks about here is knowing that sometimes the crazy people pop up before it's when it's too late to recruit a candidate against them. So we really mm-hmm. want to make sure that in these races that we're giving lots and lots of options for voters so they have a chance to to stop the bad folks before they win. Because I feel like with some of the more local elections, finding voter info out is so yeah. much harder, especially like anything that's nonpartisan, you like really have to sift through what they're saying and get like hints. Okay. Like where do you guys actually stand on an issue? Um, so that's a question too, is like for a voter, I mean, obviously with moms for Liberty with their like indoor slate helpful, like it's like, okay, do the opposite. Thank you so much. But outside of that, especially if say moms for Liberty isn't in a particular, you know, school district or school board race, but there's still extreme people running. How do you determine who is then like the opposite, whether they're sort of in a middle ground or more, you know, on the, you know, sort of democratic lean of things. 
Yeah, there's definitely some variation here depending on where you live, but I would take a look and see who are the teachers unions engaging with, who are some of the like community groups engaging with, run for something works with school board candidates all across the country. We might have some endorsed folks where you are. And there's a lot more engagement by the Democratic Party in these races than there used to be. I think this is one of the biggest issues of the past because a lot of school board races are technically nonpartisan, which is good. They should be nonpartisan. The Democrats have like sort of shied away from it. It's like, oh, we shouldn't get involved. Republicans don't operate that way. The Republican Party loves getting involved in nonpartisan races and putting their little fingers on the scale. So mm-hmm. take a look at the slates that that you've got there. And of course, this is one where endorsements really can help tell you some what someone values. Who are the other leaders in your community who've endorsed the school board candidate? Totally. Yeah. Endorsements all day, every day, you mm-hmm. know, those little hits of all of that. Well, I'm curious about finding candidates to, you know, of course, support from your guys's end. Like, how do you guys recruit? How do you find the people that you feel like, okay, these are going to be great candidates and also, of course, then great members once elected? Love this question. So Run for Something does candidate recruitment in a bunch of different ways. Last month, we held National Run for Office Day, which is our super fun, super not fake holiday about running for office, where we had uh, nearly a thousand people sign up in just a couple of days to raise their hands to say they want to run. We do events. We just had one in Phoenix last week. We do press. We do events, podcasts like this. We do social media. We do, I wrote a book. We had a podcast. All kinds of stuff sort of to get the idea out there that everyone can and should consider running for office. Just last week, we held an event down in Florida, a virtual event with our partners down in Florida to talk about specifically running for school board in partnership with one of our our partner organizations down there, the Florida Pipeline Project, to get people thinking about how to get involved. Once you sign up with us, we will help you every step of the way. You don't need to know what office you want to run for, whether it's school board or something else. You don't need to know uh, how to stand up a campaign. You don't need to know what your message would be. You just need to care about solving problems. You need to be willing to do the, to do the work. Everything else about a campaign is logistics and like it's not rocket science. I mean, it's hard work, but it's not complicated. And we will walk you through it every single step of the way, all the way through to and beyond Election Day. Mm-hmm. So important and so helpful. We love that. Well, again, speaking of school board, like you also have a 50 state school board strategy Mm -hmm. that we definitely want to hear about. So what is that? Yes, I love our 50 state school board strategy. It's our vision to recruit and support candidates everywhere and anywhere that public education is under attack, which is unfortunately everywhere. So we're working towards building recruitment and support infrastructure in every single state. Um, This is our goal to ultimately be able to recruit and support candidates for all 80,000 of those school board races eventually. It's a long-term plan. And I think one of the things I keep coming back to is that in a lot of places, um, there isn't anyone working on these elections. You know, in a lot of states we're engaging in, there's nobody really thinking about recruitment for these campaigns. There's just no like national committee for school board candidates. Even the state parties, a lot of them don't engage with them to my previous point. We really want to be there for them. And we want to be there for them for the long haul because the Republicans are not backing away from this fight, no matter sort of what happens with Trump and no matter sort of like the demise of Moms for Liberty, which they are having, I would say, a pretty shitty year, which is great for democracy and funny for me personally. In 2023, Run for Something school board candidates had a 72% win rate. Moms for Liberty had maybe in the 30s, maybe. They ate a lot of shit, which is awesome and good. And (laughs) how we know that they are not more popular. When we run, we can beat them. 
Um, mm-hmm. We just have to get on the ballot in the first place. So our 50 states full board strategy is an effort to make sure that we are competing for the long haul in as many places as we can. Yeah. Totally. Can you tell Which also is- for people who don't know who Moms of Liberty is and like mm-hmm. who they're funded by and all of that? I think that's important context. <laughs> yeah. Moms for Liberty is everyone's favorite supervillain. Moms mm-hmm. for Liberty came about a couple of years ago. They were started by a former school board member in uh, Florida, along with some of her partners. She actually lost an election. She was an incumbent on the school board. It was really anti-vaccine, anti-LGBTQ. She was pretty wackadoodle. And she lost to a run for something candidate, Jennifer Jenkins, down in Brevard County. When she lost, she decided to take her anger and turn it into an organization called Moms for Liberty. And has become a national organization with chapters all across the country dedicated to essentially undermining public education. They have done things like push book bans, create resources for people trying to issue book challenges, try to get teachers fired and principals fired. They have a weird tendency to quote Hitler in their public materials, which is not really (laughs) not what I would do. They also were in the headlines a ton lately because one of their founders had a bit of a sex scandal with her husband and a possible uh, third member of their couple or their throuple such that it is that maybe was or was not super consensual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not great. And also like super hypocritical. Super of hypocritical. Course. Always. Always. Yeah. You know, they have lost a ton in the last couple of years, couple months or so. And uh, the energy that they have captured is not going away. They are funded and they work in partnership with some of the biggest Republican mega donors. They've been doing a series of school board candidate trainings and recruitment efforts in partnership with the Leadership Institute, which is the like long-standing 35-year-old Republican organization that has, I don't know, a 30 or $40 million a year annual budget has been around since the 70s. They had, you know, infamous speakers like Ted Cruz talking to folks about how they should run to stop woke public education. They have a super boring, but, you know, very specific podcast about running for school board that they rolled out every week. They've been doing these events all across the country. And I think it's telling the way you know they're not going away is they opened a 6,000 square foot headquarters in Florida for education activism. Real mm-hmm. estate is not a flash in the pan investment. Um, right. So right. Moms for Liberty, like maybe the brand is a little bit weaker than it used to be, but the energy that they have captured is not. To be totally. a fly on the wall in that new office. <laughs> oh, boy, you couldn't pay me enough money in the world. I know. <laughs> the therapy you would need after, my God. Mm-hmm. They're just not enough hours in the day to cover that. Yeah. Although maybe I, the only hope I could give is that maybe there's some like Bravo Real Housewives vibes to it. Like that would be the only possible takeaway. There's all the but... secret affairs and, and tea. Oh my God. Probably. Totally. Be. There's, I mean, hypocritical <laughs> is the name of the game there, as you were saying with that particular throuple situation of scandal late. But like, I, I would rather almost like not know and us just do good things. You know, how, how hard is it to just like do the right thing? You know, it's just... Apparently, it's very hard. And apparently, it's one of those things that we go up against big funders on the Republican Mm -hmm. side. And I'm curious to the funding on the Dem side, because I feel like we've talked to so many people and so many orgs that do focus on state ledges. And they've really come about in sort of like the same frame of like post-2016 as well, and even if a little bit earlier, too. And one of the big things has been that like the Dems have been ignoring anything down ballot for forever. And the Republicans have really found their way to like weasel in there and focus because people aren't paying attention. Most people are like, who? I have a state legislature. Like, what Mm -hmm. is that? And so I'm curious, like, 
how the Dems have like responded to like realizing like, oh, like we can't sleep on this. It's not going to help us in any capacity. Like, what does that look like from the back end? You know, I think we have come such a long way since 2016. And I know so many of my partner, like fellow executive directors across the country would say the same thing. Like we have made leaps and bounds in terms of funding this work. And we started so far behind. <laughs> like it wasn't just mm-hmm. apples to like apples. It was apples to apple seeds. It was apples to like little ants that are crawling around the apple, like <laughs> eating the inside of the worms. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And yeah. we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And I do think one of the things that really does keep me up at night is that, especially in the funding space, you know, people are tired. I'm tired, but yeah. I don't have a billion dollars. A lot of rich people are tired. And we really need them to not be tired because Republicans aren't tired. Republicans are extremely um, awake and active and funding this work for the long haul. And 2023 was a really hard fundraising year for us. And I'm hopeful that 2024 is going to be a little bit better because hopefully people really understand the stakes of what's happening here, not just for public education, but for the impact that these local races can have on the rest of the ticket. We know that simply fielding local candidates can help increase turnout for everyone on the ballot. In fact, we heard from some of our partners in California. If you look back in 2022, it's an interesting coincidence. A lot of the school board folks that the Republicans were working really hard to support were also in places where there were competitive congressional districts that they were trying to control. It's Mm -hmm. a tactic. So we are making sure that we are fielding and supporting school board folks and folks across every level of the ballot in places it's really important for the whole ticket to win. Yeah, I think that burnout factor in the Democratic Mm -hmm. space is really big. And I'm curious for like the recruiting end of things with potential candidates, like how they've dealt with it or how they feel going into something. Because obviously like there's the burnout route where you just have to, or don't have to, but you totally disengage or you take action and you try and like channel it into something. And so I'm curious if there's any traits or anything that you've seen amongst people that decide like, I'm going to channel it into something and run for something, literally, you know, what, what has been, I know every once in a while I get one of those. (laughs) And so I'm curious what the attitude from that end has been like, what those conversations have felt like. Well, I am, you know, really both pleasantly surprised and really inspired by the fact that thousands of people have signed up to run just in the last couple of months. It's definitely slowed down a bit since 2017. Obviously we're not in the same environment, but people still really want to take charge of their community. They want to do something good They see, especially right now, that folks in Washington are not always fighting for them. They're not always speaking up for their community. And we have seen, unfortunately, that most of the issues people really care about, the things that feel so personal, you know, things about the way that LGBTQ teens are treated in schools, as we've been seeing in Oklahoma over the last couple of weeks, the way that books are made available or not, even, you know, on a broader issues like abortion access, like criminal justice reform, like housing, it really matters who your local leaders are. Um, it really, really, really matters to have voices in the room, even if they don't necessarily have the power to pass legislation, who can be your advocates and your allies, who can make sure that the Republicans who have control are held accountable and do not get away without some spotlight shown on the bullshit that they're trying to perpetuate. So I am amazed that there are folks who are saying, yeah, count me in, put me in. What do I do next? And I'm really glad that we're able to help them because it makes this election cycle feel better when a lot of it feels really bad. Mm-hmm. Totally. totally. We have a section in our newsletter, one of our newsletters called Good News Bears, mm. and always trying to like 
feature political wins. And some weeks it's easier than others. Some I'm like, okay, like we're killing it. Win, 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 win. And others I'm like, oh my God, like did anything good happen? Anything. Yeah. So I think when there is something good, something positive, something people are like actually acting on, it is really exciting. And it's reinvigorating for people that feel like, oh my God, what are we, how are we still in this situation? I am also curious about places and spaces where no one's running. Like where some of the time, like there's just no opposition and what the strategy is there for finding people to be like, nope, we got to run. So about 70% of local races in a given year, plus or minus a little bit, go uncontested, meaning there's only one candidate from either major party. And this will not surprise you. Most of the time, that's a Republican who runs without an opponent. It's something that Remember Something has tried really, really hard to combat First, to make it clear that like that's not democracy. Democracy means having a choice. Um, democracy means showing up. Um, it means being able to cast a ballot. And a lot of times when there isn't more than one candidate, they literally cancel the elections. And we've seen this happen over and over again, which sort of deprives you of the chance to build the muscle of voting, to build the habit of voting. So this is not to say that people should run to be like a sacrificial lamb. You shouldn't. But you'd be surprised how often you can run and win simply by being on there in the first place. Often these Republicans are so far extreme to the mm -hmm. extreme that when there is an opponent to call them out on it, they lose, even in deep red places. And we've worked with candidates who've been the first or only Democrat to run in their district for two years, five years, ever, and have won in spite of that. And um, the other thing we really think about for this is reminding ourselves that flipping a red community flipping a red place does not happen overnight. It takes years. Every election builds on the one that came before. So you go from 70-30 to 65-45, 65-35 65-45 to 55-45 to 51-49 over the course of a decade. And each candidate who is able to move the needle a little bit closer plays a part in ultimately flipping that district eventually. So first way thing, to, the first step in that is to get on the ballot in the first place. Mm -hmm. And for those who are maybe unsure or need a little extra push mm -hmm. to run, what would you say to them first? And also like, what are the best like next steps to, to get it going? Okay. So if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast or sees this on your social media feed and you're the kind of person that should run for office. Right. <laughs> like full stop. You care. Yeah. <laughs> you're engaged. You're invested. Um, mm -hmm. You are the kind of person we need. Um, yep. you don't need to be a genius. You don't need to be a professional politician. Most people are not professional politicians. And in fact, the way you become a politician at all is by literally running for office. Nobody is born into this. It's like art or music or sports. The way you become it is by doing it. You don't need to know everything. All you need to do is be able to identify the problem that you want to solve. Maybe be able to identify an office that would give you a place to solve it, although we can help you with that and be willing to do the work everything else we could teach you. And if you're thinking about it, or you're thinking about thinking about it, or you're thinking about maybe one day possibly thinking about it, if you go to runforwhat.net, you can sign up, you can enter your address, your information, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll tell you all the offices that are available for you to run for in 2024 and in 2025 if we have that data yet. We'll give you the filing deadlines, we'll give you the mechanics, we'll tell you a little bit more about the position, and you'll start getting materials from our team that help you sort of identify what is the office you want to run for? How do you think about your campaign? How do you start to write a plan? You'll get invited to conference calls. You get lots of events. You'll get materials from our partners. 
all to make sure that you have the information you need to stand up your campaign should you decide to run. And when you do, you can apply for our endorsement. So if you are the kind of person <laughs> who hears that and is like, yeah, maybe, just sign up. It's yeah, just the, low, the lowest <laughs> bar commitment. It's not a promise. It's just saying you're thinking about it and we'll take it from there. Totally. I love that. The first steps. Mm-hmm. You have steps in the right direction. Well, to sort of, you know, wrap things up and give people a few more next steps. For those also interested in supporting the organization, where can people find y'all? What are the the best, you know, plugs for lack of a better term? Um, so we are online at runforsomething.net. You can find us on Twitter at Run for Something <laughs> or on Instagram and threads at Run for Something Now. And you can find me, either Amanda Littman, one T, or Amanda L I T M, across all kinds of social media platforms, talking too much and posting too often. There is no such thing as talking too much as a chatty Kathy and the long winded queen. I love it. So I love that as a queen. Mm, it's true. Getting my crown later today. It's fine. But nonetheless, thank you so much for sharing your insights and coming on the show. It has been a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you.